I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I be with you. This is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Just wait one second because it's almost like Simon says that we just do things so reactionally, but we don't realize what we're just doing. If you were here yesterday, remember how we said that the sign of the cross turns us into targets, and what you did was you made your mind into a target, your lip into a target, your heart into a target, because these are where the words that I'm about to read are supposed to land in this order, but how often do we not even pay attention to the readings at Mass? I know that it's hard for me, and therefore, if you're not thinking about the Word of God, literally thinking about it, then guess what? You're not going to speak about it accurately. How many people say stupid things about the Word of God, and they haven't even picked up the Bible in a while? And if you don't know the words, then you're not going to love the Word of God. And so this requires us to really think about this, because this is what the devil attacks first. The devil wants us not to think about God's Word, to not even read it, not speak it, and therefore not love it. A reading from the Holy Gospel and if you'd notice, I actually make the sign of the cross on the gospel itself and put it to my head. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus' mother and his brothers and his sisters arrived. And standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. And a crowd seated around him told him, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are asking for you. But Jesus said to them in reply, who are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters? And then looking around at those seated about him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. For whoever hears the word of God and does the will of my father is brother, sister, and mother to me. The gospel of the Lord. I am so glad you're here. Be seated. Can I just see a show of hands of people who are here for the first time? Raise your hand. Great. 
point to the people who dragged you here and now give them a big hug. Just do it. Give them a hug. And why would you do that? And the answer is clear. They want you to be part of God's family. That's why you're here. They want you to be part of this very beautiful reading, which is actually incredibly controversial. If you're a Catholic, this sometimes perplexes us because we all know Mary as the ever-virgin Mary. She only had one child by the gift of the Holy Spirit. So who are these other brothers and sisters that the Bible is talking about? And why is it such a big deal that even Dan Brown, a pretty famous author, wrote about Jesus using this passage that created a lot of confusion in what is now known as the book and the movie, The Da Vinci Code. Have you heard of that movie? It really puts into question who Jesus is, Dan Brown's conclusion is, he isn't God. He's just a normal guy who lived an extraordinary life, and therefore his mother is no one special either. She's just a woman of her day who was not a virgin, and therefore people get very interested about whether or not Mary actually engaged in an act with her husband Joseph. People are so darn nosy, aren't they? They are just so darn nosy. But go ahead and investigate her and you'll realize that she actually didn't engage in that act and therefore she is not just an ordinary girl, she is the mother of God. And if I come across a little intense tonight talking about Mary, it's because I am proud to say I am 100% a card-carrying mama's boy. I really am. And I don't care what you say about her, I want to know what you think about her and what you know about her because she's a mysterious woman. And it was a real pleasure <clears throat> and a great privilege for me that when I was a young priest, the archbishop, before I became a secular institute priest, the archbishop called me into his office and he says, Father Leo, I'm appointing you to study Mariology in Rome. What is your answer? And I said to him, what's your question? I mean, you told me to go, so I'm going to go. And it was awesome. I spent six years in Rome. Two of those years were spent studying Mariology, the role of Mary in the life of the Christian. <clears throat> and it was amazing for me because I grew up learning about Mary from my own family. We prayed the rosary, didn't understand it, but I knew that if Jesus was a special guy, his family needed to be special too. And Mary is pretty special because, you know, the word special itself means species, unique. And Mary is a unique person. Jesus kind of looked at this passage. You look at this passage and you can either think that Jesus is either speaking like God or he's a jerk. And this is what it would sound like if Jesus was a jerk. Mary, the mother, and the brothers and sisters arrived and asked about Jesus. And Jesus said, who are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters? And if Jesus answered it like this, get away from me, woman. Here are my family now. Mary 
would gently walk through the crowd and smack Jesus upside the head. And she would have every right to do it because Jesus would be breaking his father's fourth commandment, which is honor thy father and thy mother. So maybe Jesus isn't a jerk. And maybe Jesus wasn't kicking Mary out of his inner circle. Maybe Jesus was saying this to invite you to be part of his inner circle. And you think about it. Jesus wasn't insulting Mary. He was using her as an example. Uh, who was it? The first person to accept Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Uh, that would be her. Who was it that said yes to the Father's will? Uh, that would be Mary. In other words, Jesus isn't a jerk. He was inviting you to be part of his family. And that's what I learned. When I went to Rome, it was still in the 90s, so I brought my laptop computer in, which was new. They didn't have laptop computers in the 90s. They do now. But since I'm Asian, I had to be up to date with technology. So I brought my laptop in, <clears throat> and uh, I was nervous because all of my classes are taught in the Italian language. So everything was done in Italian, even the testing, all in Italian. And I don't know about you, but whenever anyone speaks Italian, I kind of get hungry. So I really needed to focus. And this professor comes in, and I knew that this was going to be a tough course, but I was ready and excited because this guy was smart. I read his books. He is pretty darn smart. And he walked in, and I thought, I am going to like this class because as soon as he walked in, I realized I was taller than he was. And it was amazing. So he gets up there, and he goes, Maria which means, oh, bravi, you speak Italian too. Very good, I'm happy. And then he goes, Maria, Virgine, Madre. And then he paused and he looked and he said, Impossibile. And then he walked out. I typed four words and I'm thinking, am I getting my money's worth here, people? <laughs> But for a week, he made us think about something we say all the time at Christmas. Jesus has a mother named Mary. She is a virgin and also a mother that is impossible. Do I need to draw a picture for you people? The reality is Mary was confused too because she was actually allowed to do the you-know-what in order to make a baby because she was already betrothed to Joseph, and that's why she asked that unique question, how is this going to be possible? She was a good Jewish girl. She knew how this was going to be possible, but she was asking something deeper. How is it possible that I will be giving my life to God and not give my body to anybody else but to God? You hear where I'm going with this. And the angel gives her the answer by saying, nothing is impossible with God. And I need you to focus on that word impossible. Because if you look at the Latin word for impossible, it's rooted in the verb potere, where we get the word to be able, where we also get the word potency, power. And therefore, the angel said, with God, nothing is impossible because God is 
omnipotent. God isn't impotent. <laughs> Awkward. Are you seeing that we have actually not taken this seriously? Think about Christmas. It's about an old lady and her sterile husband conceiving a child named John the Baptist and a virgin conceiving a child even though she was a virgin. Because God is not impotent, then you ask yourself, well, then why doesn't God do anything great for me? And here's the answer. Mary did not act contra the concept did you hear what I said? Mary didn't contracept God. She gave herself completely as God gives himself completely. And when two people give themselves completely without being contra the concept of fully giving and fully receiving, what happens? The possibility of life. And so we just got really deep here, didn't we? Because we aren't letting God into us fully and we are not giving ourselves fully to God, which is why we live pretty mediocre lives. And saints gave everything to God. And God gave everything to us. And that's why we need to focus on her. And I remember going to a class for how to become a chaplain in a hospital. And the only seat was available was this, uh, was at the front next to a woman. It was an ecumenical gathering. So there was a woman there. She was from the church of A.M.E., African Methodist Episcopalian, beautiful African-American woman, uh, but it was really awkward because she had the same outfit on I did, and she actually looked better in it. So it was kind of weird, and I sat next to her, and we're talking, and she said, Brother Leo, what is it that you do with your priesthood? And I said, well, actually, I'm still studying in Rome. What are you studying? And I said, Mariology. And she was like, why would you do that? You are a Christian priest. She was all up into my grill, I tell you what. So I fought back being a mama's boy. I'm like, because Mary was the first Christian. She goes, is that right? I said, yes, she was. She said yes to Jesus Christ. She followed Jesus wherever he went. Even to change his diaper, she followed him. She followed him as he carried his cross. And you better believe that she who gave birth to Jesus on earth would be given an eternal birth in heaven because of the man she gave birth to. And she looked at me and she said, Preach it, Brother Leo. Preach, preach, preach. So guess what I got to do? I got to talk about Mary because people don't like it. And we Catholics have almost lost this. And I guarantee you, you lose Mary, you are going to lose Jesus because there are a lot of false prophets out there. And you got to know that every prophet is born. And if you really want to know a prophet or Jesus, talk to her because that's what moms do. You can't shut them up about their children, which is why I will tell you, if you have questions for me, call my mother. She'll be very happy. She'll invite you to lunch. She's a good cook. Part of where I get it from was for her. So I show up at lunch one day because I'm a, their favorite child. So I go home and I'm at lunch with mom and dad. Doorbell rings. 
and my mom gets up to get the door, and at the door, there's these two good-looking guys, blonde hair, blue eyes, white shirt, black pants, black tie, name tags. You know who they are. They are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, known as the Mormons, and I love them. I think they are incredibly pious, good, wholesome people. I disagree with them on incredibly important points, but disagreement doesn't mean hate. So please grow some skin and thicken it up. Just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean they hate you. Yes, do they get on my nerves? Yes, they do sometimes. But guess what? I still got to love them. The people sitting next to you might get on your nerves. You still got to love them too. So disagreement and getting on each other's nerves, that doesn't need to start a World War III. Just really, just let's grow up and realize that we got to love each other. So my mom answers the door, and these guys said, ma'am, we don't mean to disturb you. We just respectfully want to talk to you about your relationship to Jesus Christ. And my mom looked at these boys and said, come on in, come on in. Let's have a seat. Let me get you something to drink, and let me introduce you to my son. He's visiting uh, here. And so I walk out wearing this, and they're like, good grief, right? But like I said, disagreement doesn't mean hate. We became friends. A couple weeks later, I was teaching them karate. And uh, during the break, they said, okay, Brother Leo, you know, I don't get the whole Mary thing. Why do you guys worship her? And I said, we don't worship her. There's a difference between worship and revere somebody. I mean, like, you kneel down to ask the bride her hand in marriage. You're not worshiping her. You're reverencing her. That's just the reality. So there's a big difference. And they go, yeah, but you guys have statues. You have paintings. You got all these prayers, the rosary. What is all that about? So I said, relax. Let me get some. I ran up to my mom and dad's bedroom. I pulled out the photo album that they had of me when I was a baby, ran back down, started showing them pictures of me as I was a baby because I was adorable. And they were like, what are you doing showing me these pictures? And I said, well, we're friends, right? And they said, yes. I said, well, then get to know me. Not just here and now, but get to know me even when I was a child. And this is how you do it. Let me ask you, who took these pictures of me when I was a baby? And they said, your mom and dad. And I said, precisely why we revere Mary. Because without Mary and her big mouth, St. Luke, who was not even a disciple, wouldn't be able to write the Gospel of Luke, and we wouldn't even have the Christmas narratives. We wouldn't know anything about the life of Jesus when he was a baby because the only person who knew it was her. And she talked about it to Jesus. And then I said, and that's why we pray the rosary. You know what the rosary is? It's basically pre-Facebook pictures. It is all of the meditations and the images and the pictures of the life of Christ through the eyes of the woman who knew him best. She and this rosary is why we know Jesus. Can you hear me? And therefore, you got to realize something. When you pray the rosary, please know it's a meditation. And I encourage you to do it. It's not hard. Pray a decade as you wake up in the morning. Pray a decade on the way to work. Take a little break from work. Take a decade. On the way home, pray a decade. Before you go to bed tonight, pray a decade. It is not a rushed process.
prayer. It's a meditation. It's not an opportunity for you to practice your auctioneering skills. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, my women, blessed with thee. Holy Mary, Mother God, pray for us sinners now and at the end. Souls of the man in the blue. No, that's not what it's for. Just meditate. And, you know, when you look at the scriptures and you meditate on Mary, she doesn't say much. Isn't that a miracle <laughs> for a Jewish woman? And her longest words are actually known as the canticle of Mary when she says in Latin, basically, she was reprising the prayer of Hannah, the mother of Samuel, who was a king. This was a prayer that Hannah said because she was also without child and she was begging for a child. And then when she was finally given a child, she breaks out into this song that Mary sings thousands of years later. Remember, the Old Testament is only a prefiguring of the New Testament. And therefore, if Jesus is the new Adam, then who is the new Eve? She proves it when she says in Latin, Magnificat anima mea domini. My soul magnifies the greatness of the Lord. Think about that. And I focused on that word magnifying glass. Magnify. And I think of this magnifying glass that mom and dad gave to me for Christmas as part of a spy kit. Didn't carry for anything else. I loved that magnifying glass because you know what it can do, right? It could make small things bigger. And we sometimes need that because we don't always see God. God's always small, like a cluster of cells. And when Mary walked to Zier, cousin Elizabeth, after she conceived, she magnified God to the point where even though it was only a fetus, and a lot of people are like, see, it wasn't even a baby, it's just a fetus. And I tell people, learn some Latin and realize the word fetus means small person. <laughs> and therefore, Mary magnifies the life of God to the point where the cousin Elizabeth goes, oh my gosh. How can the Ark of the Covenant come to me? And John the Baptist is so excited, he does a breakdancing move in his mother's womb because Mary magnified the presence of God even with a cluster of cells in her stomach. But a magnifying glass can also take something amazingly big like the sun and focus it in such a way that it is powerful. And that's honestly why I really loved that magnifying glass because I was a boy so I loved that thing. The little insects in front of me hated that thing because you know what it can do. It can literally burn. And that's what people thought, that if God was to show his power, it would burn us. But Mary magnified God's presence, and you don't feel the burn. You feel the love. God, through Mary wants to cuddle you. That's the kind of love that God has for you. The kind of love that a, a parent wants to just kind of hold you. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I, I know that it's surprising to you, but I was incredibly hyper. I'm very calm now. But when I was a kid, I was unbelievably hyper. So after lunch, my dad 
would somehow just show up. He was a doctor, but we never lived like the other doctor's kids, and I started to realize why. My dad never worked a full day as a doctor, and which is why we grew up in a poor neighborhood, because he wanted to spend time with his family. And so I was always wondering, how are you home for lunch, and how can you hang out at the family's home for a couple hours, and then he returned to work. Very European, very kind of Spaniard kind of uh, schedule. My dad said, well, I want to come home from work because I want to have lunch with the family, and then I want to take a nap with, uh, and with, with you. I want to cuddle you. I want to just sleep with my, his favorite son, me. All right, and so he would... And I hated that. I hated sleeping with my... I hated cuddling my dad. I hated it as a kid. But my dad said, if you don't take a nap in the afternoon, you won't grow. The man lied to me, okay? <laughs> he lied to me, but he only did it because he just wanted to cuddle me. And this is the kind of love that God has for you. And what do we do? We fight. We squirm away even from God the Father. And even when we get old enough and smart enough, we squirm away from our own mother to the point where motherhood now is still literally under attack. And therefore, what I need to do is show you how to fight when the devil is encouraging us to keep Mary out of our life. Here's how to fight when the devil is attacking your dignity as her child. And young man that I told you I was going to call on you because you... Raise your hand yesterday. Come and yeah, no, come with me. Come on up here. What's your name? No, 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 not you, not you. I got you yesterday. Yellow, yellow shirt. Yeah, you go. Yellow shirt. I got you yesterday, bud. You're good. This guy right here. This guy was no, no, no. Do don't applaud him. You don't know what he's going to do. Come into the sanctuary with me. Genuflect to the tabernacle. Come on up. What is your name again? My name's Duncan. Duncan. Yep. Duncan, I'm Father Leo. Nice to meet you. I called you out, Duncan, because yesterday you came to the talk. You kind of said something caught my attention. Basically, there was a woman who told me that she was going to pay her son and children like a hundred bucks to come. And he raised his hand because I thought it was him because he said he's a joker. So now the joke's on him, right? Because now you've got to help me, Duncan. Right. You're going to help me to look at how to fight against evil because we're just going to play a scenario of spiritual combat. And Duncan uh, is going to play the part of the devil, okay? That's why I'm glad you didn't applaud him, all right? Don't applaud the devil. And I am going to play the part of a simple, shy... What are you laughing about here, okay? <laughs> shy, humble, modest, quiet priest who has two third-degree black belts in the martial arts... And Duncan is going to engage me because that's what the devil does. The devil is going to attack me. So are you ready to engage in spiritual combat? There you go. So let's do this. All right. Make a fist, Duncan. This fist is going to represent temptation 
And temptation wants nothing more than to beat me up. Is that not right? Don't you sometimes feel beat up by the world and evil? And we feel beat up whenever we fall to temptation. And so what I'm going to do is teach you the A, B, C's, and D's of spiritual combat. Temptation wants to hurt me, so punch me. Okay. Punch me again. Just punch me again. Okay. Hold on. The last time that the devil attacked me, it didn't look like this. <laughs> just have fun, just have, you're doing great. Just do a, a jab straight through. So, jab, do So, devil, bring it. Right back. Right. <laughs> no, just, just hit me. Just go ahead. Hunt, part. Right here. Okay, one more time. Ooh, ow. Oh. Good? Duncan. I win. Dude, you just hit a priest. Um, uh, now, Duncan, why did you hit me? I'm the devil. You're the devil, and? I'm a bad boy. Yes, well, that's a given. But more importantly, you hit me because... Temptation. I... I'm a good boy. No, I asked for it. Oh, yeah, 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 that's Yeah, right. the devil isn't very smart either, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and it's true. The reason why we get attacked by the evil one is because we ask for it. Therefore, straight jab. Therefore, the first, no, just right here. Therefore, the first step in all martial arts is, again, jab. A. 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 Avoid the near occasion of sin. <laughs> Do you remember that? When Sister Mary Holy Water Font told you that as a child? She was right. If the devil attacks, you get the heaven out of there. But so often, we ask to get beat up, telling lies, gossip, laziness, the internet alone. And you're like, did he just do that? Yes, the devil does. Because the devil always fights cheap, the devil always hits below the belt, and the devil always hits us where we are weakest. And let's admit, Mary was an image of purity. She gave everything to God, which is why she could not get attacked so easily by the devil. But in our weakness and our ignorance of understanding what the body is intended for, we get beat up there. Technically, let me just explain it this way. Duncan, you're doing awesome. Pretend that you are possessed by the devil. Oh, my goodness. What is happening here? Okay. 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 Let's, let's keep the 1980s worm breakdancing move out of it because I did that too, not out of possession. But just pretend like you're possessed by the devil. No, don't. Just stay there. Just, just. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So... I, okay, so the devil is also a wave dancer. Okay, got it, okay. So, 
Pretend that you're possessed, and I, a priest, pretend I have holy water, and he's possessed, like be like, yeah, and I've got holy water, and I sprinkle it on you, and what happens? And exact, well, no, no, no. If you're evil, if, and I'm sprinkling holy water on you, and you're like, yes, that's exactly it. The devil can't handle anything holy. And if you and I are made in God's image and likeness, technically, the devil can't touch this. <laughs> do, 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 do. Okay, so if you know the reference to that song, you're old too, okay, just so you know. But technically, the devil can't touch this. So if we are getting beat up, it's because we're asking for it. And therefore, if we are trying to avoid sin, just punch straight through again, boom, boom, just go ahead, boom, all right? The next step you might think B is to block the devil. Block the devil, but the devil's got another set of hands, and the devil's gonna just keep punching, and the devil's gonna keep coming after me, and the devil's got feet, and the devil's gonna kick. Okay, relax, okay, take it easy. <laughs> relax, relax. This, ladies and gentlemen, is kind of what our spirituality looks like. Therefore, in the martial arts, we actually don't block because it hurts. We actually be bypass. We let the temptation pass us by. I'm going to give you great, great news, ladies and gentlemen. No temptation lasts forever. Literally, all you've got to do when temptation comes is say, not one to ten, count, but maybe the Hail Mary, because the devil hates Mary and is afraid of her. So say that prayer and literally, let it go. Let it go. I hate that song so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But it's true. Just let the temptation go so that you can actually realize that temptations won't last forever. But if the devil is constantly knocking on the door of your heart, if the devil is constantly trying to distract you, here's what my spiritual director says. Close all the windows of your spiritual home. Open up the back door of your spiritual home. Let the devil in the front door of your spiritual home, out the back door, and then close the back door. And then you would ask, why would you even do that? And the reason is because maybe God is allowing you to experience your temptation so that you will know where you are weak and therefore need to exercise that. Just the same way if you go to the gym, and don't judge me, I know I got to go, shut up. They're going to put me on a regimen and I'm going to work out and it's going to hurt in parts that are very weak. And therefore, when you exercise and it hurts, trust the Marines. When you're exercising and it hurts, it's weakness leaving your body. That's the reality. And what we've got to do is find out where our weaknesses are so that we can actually exercise step C, which you Got to know means to control. Okay, good. Yes, I like this. <laughs> but trust me that it's not about controlling the devil because you can't. But you can control your reaction because if you don't control your reactions, then the devil controls you. And therefore, the only step, last step, really, is, is step D, which is destroy the devil. So, so, so let's... Take this nice and slow. 
and let's do this live together. A scenario of a temptation. Let's pretend that I'm back in high school. And trust me, high school students get attacked more than you can ever imagine because they're at that stage where they are old enough to be a parent, but immature in their experiences. So teach them how to deal with the temptations of transition. And let's just pretend that I'm back in high school and I'm in the cafeteria being idiots, you know, just doing what I do. And I'm hanging out with my friends who are also on the basketball team with me. Okay, so just, <laughs> just play along, people, okay? So let's just play along that I'm on the basketball team and I'm cool. And then all of a sudden, this pretty girl walks in to the cafeteria, and we all know who she is because she's really popular. She's on the cheerleading squad, and she really knows how to work her pom-poms and everything, right? So let's just pretend she's coming in, and they're like, yo, Leo, take, take a look at that girl. Oh, yeah, everybody knows about her. What does she look like? What does she act like? Let me tell you, doesn't she look like... And wouldn't it be awesome if you could say, I am avoiding or near occasion of sin. <laughs> Your friends are going to be like, what the faith? They're not going to know what hit them. And so guess what? There are some temptations you cannot avoid. And therefore, you have got to engage in the combat. And oh, and by the way, why don't we leave her out of it because you know if we start talking about her in a non-godly way it might not be because I'm an evil person it might be because I'm actually just immature and insecure I think she's pretty I want to ask her out on a date but because I'm too insecure I'll instead just go down and stoop at a low common denominator so let's leave her out of it and let's pretend the biggest loser comes into the cafeteria. Nobody likes him. He's such a dork. I think his name is Duncan, right? Okay, so let's just pretend. You're doing awesome. So let's just pretend Duncan walks in and you're like, yo, look at that big loser over there. Look at that girl over there. And this is what it's going to look like. Yo, Leo, what do you think about them? You can't avoid this, but you can. Don't say anything. And just let this temptation pass you by. Bypass it. Or you can then control it and say, you know what, I think they look like, and this is what it's going to look like. Yo, look at that girl over there. Look at that guy over there. Don't they look like, don't they look like, well, Leo, what do you think they look like? A, B, C, destroy it. It's going to look like this. They look like children of God. <laughs> and with that, boom, you destroy the devil. And why? Because the truth sets you free. And you all thought that I was going to beat up Duncan. And I couldn't do that. Because then I'd get sued. <laughs> I don't need to have a priest on the front page of the paper. A priest beats up Duncan at a church mission. No, I can't do that. But more importantly, because it's not about weapons. It's about words of love. It's not about violence. It's about virtue. It's not about what you do to your fists unless your fists are actually praying. And I got to tell you something, Duncan. Yeah. I've done this around the world, and you are by far one of the worst devils I've ever worked with, <laughs> which literally makes you awesome. Let's give it up for Duncan, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. You. you know, 
One of the big challenges, one of the big challenges in spiritual combat, and I'm just so glad that he came, is, is how do you actually experience, how do you actually experience being fed by God? You know, um, my work as a chef really complements my priesthood. There was a mother who came up to me one day, and she goes, Father Leo, my kid don't get nothing out of church, and he don't eat broccoli. And I said, well, that is serious. So I asked her, how do you prepare your broccoli, right? And uh, she explained, and I said, ma'am, with all due respect, that sounds disgusting. I wouldn't eat it. And so I gave her a recipe, available where fine books are sold, and basically uh, the kid called back and is like, now I eat broccoli. It's all in how we present the message. And, and one of the big challenges, and let me tell you, one of the big temptations is for you to come to church and not be fed like that kid. And I can only think that that kid is not being fed for three possible reasons. One, me as the shepherd, I'm not doing a good job of feeding that flock. I got to make things a little bit more bite-sizable, the name of my third book. And basically the idea of presenting the faith is hard. So if you find church boring, if you find my homily boring, I'm sorry, but you know what you can do? Write your own homily. <laughs> you have access to the readings? Read it beforehand. Write your own homily. See how it compares. And if yours is better than mine, tell the priest. And he can use it for the next year's homily, all right? Or maybe, if I'm not doing a good job, maybe this kid doesn't have the appetite or the ability to receive what I'm giving him because he's immature. Maybe this kid is stuck on spiritual gummy bears and that's not going to be what God wants to feed us. So maybe this kid doesn't hunger for the truth. That's why parents, the fact that you brought so many kids, teach them the faith now so that they can develop a little taste of the faith. Don't ever think, these kids aren't getting anything out of church. They are. I was a horrible... I was not one of those kids that liked church. I told my mom one day, the priest was boring, and I looked right at her. I was 14 years old, and I said, I am going to kill myself. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, you picked the right place to do it. That's what she did. And now look at me. I'm a priest, because I had to develop that taste. Or maybe that kid didn't get anything out of church just because he wasn't hungry. Maybe he was full of himself. And I think that's the real problem. So many of us come to church thinking, I don't need to learn anything. And therefore, we don't experience what the church is trying to feed us because the church wants to feed us, including to feed you, sir, right there, you, come with me. Yeah, no, you. You're the sir. Yeah, you. Yeah. Come, come with me. No, don't hide that cross. That's what I saw. That's why I pulled you out, because you're wearing that cross. And so, therefore, and actually, oh, it was like a medal of some sort. Yeah. What's your name? Joseph. Joseph. Nice to meet you, Joseph. Come with me. I'm going to feed you tonight. Okay. Yeah, don't get too excited, though. All right. Come with me. Joseph, how old are you? 24. Perfect. He's at that age where he doesn't have to go to church. He's old enough, right? Like, his mom and dad are going to be like, you're old enough. You don't have to go. 
But the reality is Joseph needs to be fed. And every one of us is going to sample what I'm going to be feeding Joseph tonight. And this is what we get in church every Sunday. In fact, every day, because I don't know if you know this, we have mass every day. And therefore, you are going to be fed a healthy dose of PB&J. Not peanut butter and jelly, because I hate peanut butter and jelly. And that's why I actually roast my own peanuts, and I actually add cashews. I don't use jelly, I use chutney, and add a little spice and curry to it. And I actually don't use bread, I use Jewish challah bread, and I fry it in clarified butter. That's how I eat my peanut butter and jelly. But for you, Joseph, peanut butter and jelly, no, it's PB&J, it's gonna stand for patience, balance, and joy. This is what God is feeding you. And this is what we fight God all the time. So Joseph, let me ask you, are you a patient man? I am. You are. Yes. We're gonna tr try your patience. Do you have any siblings? I'm the only child. You're the only child, okay. And you're patient? I don't believe this actually, okay. So let's just pretend that if you did have a sibling, I am your younger brother. And we're just going to see what our spiritual lives look like in church. Stay right there. You look at them. Okay. You're fine. Joseph. Yes. Joseph. 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 Will you play with me, Joseph? Joseph. 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 I'm not touching. <laughs> Joseph, wasn't I starting to get annoying? Yes, I was getting annoyed myself, all right? And so after a while, patience will be lost. And therefore, guess what? This will start, this is cutesy now, but after a while, it's gonna look like this. And after a while, it's gonna hurt. Because the word patience actually comes from the Latin verb pati, and if you conjugate it, patior, pasio, passiones. It's where we get the word passion. But the word, the verb pati literally means to suffer. That's why the word patience is what describes people in hospitals because they are. And that's what Joseph is doing right now, right? So if you pray for patience, and we all should, because we think that we're going to grow in holiness in a microwavable minute. But the fact is, God uses a crockpot. And if you pray for patience, you will wind up in a traffic jam. You pray for patience, and life will get annoying. But let me ask you this, Joseph. Do you have a girlfriend? I do. You do. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> what is her name? Jennifer. Jennifer. Is Jennifer here? Good, so we can talk about her. All right. Is Jennifer a beautiful woman? She is. She is. Great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to test your patience. And I want you to pretend that I am Jennifer, okay? No, no, don't touch. No touch. No, just, we're just pretending here. And I am Jennifer, and therefore to you, the most beautiful girl in the world, am I? And Joseph, pretend I'm Jennifer, I love you. Love you too. How much do you love me? 
Do you love me enough that even though we're not married, will you show me how much you love me? Do not answer that question, all right? <laughs> But let me, ask, <laughs> let me ask this other question. Joseph, will you be willing to suffer by waiting to show how much you love Jennifer. Sorry, ladies, <laughs> because that's the kind of man you want. The kind of man who would be willing to suffer and wait for you even if you should have been in the car 10 minutes ago, all right? <laughs> Patience is this virtue that we have thought that we, we're going to get everything so quickly. We're immature. We think that once we get married, we're going to have it all. No. And that's why so many marriages end, because they're not willing to be passionate about the vows that they made. They want to buy an entire home, get it stocked up with all of the latest gadgets and all of the furniture just to be like the housewives of Beverly Hills or something. And that's not what it was like for the generation before us. They were patient. They bought things a little at a time, which is why if you go to your grandmother's home, she still has the plastic on the couch, okay? Because they are patient, and we are not. And it's going to hurt you to be patient. So now let's do B, balance. Let's pretend, Joseph, that you are a scale. Because this is the image of balance. And therefore, if 50 pounds is on this hand, how much will it take to be balanced on this hand? 50 pounds, that is Catholic school education at its finest, ladies and gentlemen. But no, that's not balance. That is equality, and that is an understanding that would eventually lead to socialism. Reality is, every one of us are unequal. We're not all the same. Take a look at just how imbalanced we are. <laughs> He is not some old dumpy priest. It's, it's completely imbalanced. And it's going to make you fall if you think that balance is 50-50. Let me prove it to you. Put one foot right there. That's church. 50 pounds there. 50 pounds right here. Great. So far, balanced. Do you play any sports? I work out. Of course you do. <laughs> so spend 33.3% at the gym. That foot, keep, keep it going right there. Good. There you go. 33.333, right? So far, balanced. Do you have any friends? Yes, you do. Spend time with your friends. Okay, now 25, 25, 25, 25, right? Remember the most beautiful girl in the world? <laughs> you got to spend time with her. Okay, now you can see, you, you, you can see where it's going. Complete imbalance. And if he kept going, I would knock him over. And then, of course, the choir would inherit a soprano. But here's the problem. We don't understand balance anymore. So let me teach it to you according to G.K. Chesterton, who wrote a book called Orthodoxy. 
And he described balance, the most balanced people, as people who are walking a tightrope. So pretend you're walking a tightrope. What is the first thing you do when you're walking a tightrope? Show me. Yeah, you try not to fall. That's a given, but keep going. <laughs> what do you do with your body? Show me. Boom, stay right there. What did he just do? He literally turned himself into a cross. He literally turned himself into a cross, but not any cross, a strong cross. Keep the focus right here. And so often what happens is that we waver, and that's what will make you fall. And notice, as you're taking one step on this, boom, that's when the devil loves to attack when you're in the midst of transition. So what I'm going to show you is just a simple technique that we use in the martial arts. I won't hurt you. Don't worry, Duncan. You're the only person I'm going to beat up tonight. But basically, I'm going to show you how even in your transitions, you can stay focused. Because so often, like, if you're picking one foot up, this is kind of what our faith looks like. We've got one foot in church. The other foot is already out the door. And it makes it easy to knock him over. But... This is really what our faith looks like. One foot up, just, just hold it naturally. And then sometimes we don't even have one foot fully. We tiptoe. And therefore, go ahead, tiptoe. Just on your toe. Yeah, there you go, just tiptoe. And you see how imbalanced we get. So let me show you the technique for balance. Turn yourself into a cross, a strong cross, strong. Look nowhere else except for Jesus, the unmoved mover. Nowhere else. Now pick up one foot, straight up, boom. Look nowhere else. Put the cross in the center. Now, on your tippy toe for five, four, three, two, and one. You see? He could do it, but he needs to practice. And that's true for us. Because so often we get distracted. We feel the liberals pulling us, so what do we become? Arch conservatives and you will fall. You feel the Republicans pulling you too far to the right, so what do we become? The new left, and you will fall. Our job is to retain that tension, and that means be 100% rooted. Don't have one foot in church, both feet in church and rooted in Christ. If you're at work, both feet rooted in Christ at work. When you are home with your family, both feet rooted in Christ at home. When you are making love to your wife, both feet rooted in Christ when you're showing love. When you are disciplining your children, both feet rooted in love, and it doesn't become child abuse. Do you see? We have only one foot in Christ, and sometimes it's just tippy-toeing, which is why we get knocked over. Joseph, I think that you've had enough, <laughs> which is why I'm going to feed everybody a little bit of joy. But I want to say something to you, Joseph. Jennifer is a lucky woman. God bless you. Jay is the last ingredient. And J is what I learned from Mother Teresa, J-O-Y, Jesus others you. And we get that wrong so much. We always switch it around. Christmas is about joy, 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 but now it's about yo, yo, yo. You others, you others. And Jesus, we don't even care about anymore. Let me ask you, what did you get Jesus for his birthday? We've taken him out of the focus. And therefore, we get knocked over. We have no patience. We have no joy. And let me tell you, 
I need a dose of PB&J. And I thought I was being a good mama's boy because I had just led a pilgrimage to, to Rome with a bunch of seminarians. And I thought God was blessing me because I had bulkhead seating. Do you know what that is? That means no seats in front of me. That means I could stretch out because I'm so tall I could use all the leg room I could get. But then this woman taps me on the shoulder and she goes, Father, are you traveling alone? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, because my husband's sitting next to you and he's really nervous and ah. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh, did you want me to switch seats with you? Since I had this on, I had to be nice to couples, right? So it was very annoying. But she said, do you mind? And I said, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> so I switched seats with her. She was sitting in like row five billion in the back. And so as I'm walking back there, the seminarians who were on the trip with me, they were looking and like, what did he do wrong, right? So I get to the seat. I had to walk over the woman at the aisle. She wouldn't even get up. She was reading a book. I sit down in the seat. I look to the guy on the left out the window, and I said, hey, good morning. And he goes, <laughs> and I'm like, this stinks. So you know what I did? I pulled out my prayer book. It's a good thing to do. Started to meditate, closed my book, and really engaged in the art of meditation, which is priest language for take a nap, right? So I was... Uh, going to ask for the intercession of Our Lady of the Pillows and uh, Saint Serta and Celia of Posturepedic, right? So, it's, but, it, but as soon as I closed my eyes to meditate, the woman next to me slammed her book shut. She woke me up. I looked at her. I looked at the book, The Da Vinci Code. She was reading The Da Vinci Code. And she looked at me and she said, are you a Catholic priest? And I thought, I could be Anglican. I could be Anglican. And by the way, kid, it's also a boomerang, okay? But I mean, obviously, I love my priesthood. So I said, yes, I'm a Catholic priest. And then she said, well, then can I ask you a few questions? I was just trying to meditate, people. And so I said, sure, yes. By the way, when Mary said yes to the angel Gabriel, the clouds broke, the sun shone, music and birds and smell of waffles came into the air. <laughs> I said yes to this woman, the full moon comes out. She grew fangs, she grew nails, hair came out of her mole, and I could literally feel her on my neck, and she goes, why can't priests get married? Why can't women become priests? Why can't you accept the two people at the same sex can't love each other and get married? And why do you hate women? And why does the church deny that Jesus was in love with Mary Magdalene? I read it in the book. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, if you want to ask me a question, then ask. If you want to pick a fight, bring it. That's what I said. <laughs> Guy next to me goes, whoa. And at that moment, ladies and gentlemen, I felt the presence of Mary smack me upside my head. <laughs> I literally felt scolded by her. I literally. And because I almost felt like, I'm no mystic, but I felt Mary talk to my heart and say, thank you for defending the Catholic faith, but why are you so defensive? Thank you for trying to represent the strength of Jesus, but did he actually throw a stone? 
Wouldn't my son instead listen to the cries of the poor and the whining of the people known to you and me as prayer? You see, I want to be a good priest, but I can be a jerk sometimes. You are trying to be good Christians, but sometimes you're too zealous or not zealous enough, and you get walked over. And Mary is there to kind of scold us. And so Mary literally spoke to my heart and convicted me and said, what would my son do? And I knew it was to listen. To listen. For nine hours long, <laughs> I had to practice active listening, which isn't that what I hear you say is, and then repeat it, because that's not active listening. That's actively annoying, okay? Active listening is, what is God saying to me through these people? So, for example, when, guys, you're, you come home and you fall asleep on the couch and your wife says, get up, mow the lawn and paint the fence. What is God saying to you guys? Get up, mow the lawn, paint the fence. <laughs> guys, when... when Women, when your husband comes home and falls asleep on the couch, what is God saying to you? Wake him up. <laughs> Tell him to mow the lawn. Paint the fence. Or if you're really listening to God through other people, maybe God is saying to you, let him sleep. Make him a sandwich. <laughs> Give him a beer. Massage his feet. <laughs> Guys, you're welcome, okay? You know, parents, parents, when, when, uh, when your kids are acting like idiots, what is God saying to you? Give them less toys. Give them more of your time. You see, I think we don't listen, and that's what I had to do, and what I heard was this woman was a Catholic, she made bad choices in her marriages. She made bad choices in her motherhood. And she just felt that the Catholic Church hated her and that we were just filled with a bunch of mean old priests. And I wasn't even that old. But I was kind of mean. And all I did was just listen to her and then, thank God, the plane landed. And as she's making her way out, I even helped her with her baggage, and it was heavy. And then she said the most annoying thing you could say to me at that moment. She said, can I give you a hug? <laughs> and literally, I felt my eyes roll up to the heavens out of disgust. And I saw the Blessed Mother go, you hug her right now? So I hugged her, she went on her way. The guy grabbed me at the window and he goes, mmm. <laughs> and that's how I became a mama's boy. <laughs> you see, our world needs a mother. And it's not coming from Earth. And by the way, if Mother Earth is truly Mother Earth, please, we don't need laws to tell Mother how to survive. She was perfectly fine without politicians. Care for the mother, but don't legislate the mother. I don't know if that makes any sense. 
Don't turn the world into God, in other words. Because you didn't make it. God made it. And I'm not trying to get political. I'm just trying to say, care for your mother. And who is our mother? Well, that is a question you have to ask yourself. Because if you're trying to be a good Christian, then who is your father? Uh, that would be God. Then who is your mother? So that you can all be born again. I think we have forgotten her. And therefore, we don't see God because we don't have that magnifier to help us to feel God's love. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And I'm just going to focus right here on the image of Mary. As I invite you just to pray with me, and even if you don't see her, she's like a good mom. You don't need to see your mother to know that she loves you. You don't need to see your father to know that he loves you. Even when I'm traveling, I feel my mom and dad's presence all the time, especially because she calls me all the time. <laughs> and that's what moms do. And that's what dads do. It's interesting. I call up my dad and I say, hey, dad, what's up? And he goes, good, here's your mother. Because while Mary is always directing everyone to Jesus, notice that Jesus almost directs himself to his mother. He asked it, who are my mother, my brothers, and my sisters? And he used Mary's example, those who hear the word of God and do the will of my father is brother, sister, and mother to me. Thank you, God, for giving us Mary. When we look at this mosaic, we're not complimenting the mosaic, we're complimenting the artist. And therefore, when we acknowledge and revere Mary, it's not because of her, it's because we acknowledge you who made her for a singular purpose, to bring God's love into this world. So thank you, God, for giving us a mother. We beg forgiveness for the times that we have forgotten her and our own mothers. Forgive us for the times that we have let politicians tell women what to do with their bodies rather than acknowledging that women are the most powerful creatures in the animal kingdom. And they can, they, mothers, are the most resilient and amazing if, they allow God and God's power to dwell with her. But we pray for women who choose to play God and do things on their own. And help us, Lord, to recognize what St. John Paul said about women, that they are the geniuses of God. And at that point, women, stop elbowing your husbands. But you are geniuses because you do two things that God does. You bring life into this world and you feed your children with your own body as Jesus fed us with his. We men cannot do that. And therefore, it is our job to compliment you, to cooperate with you and your unique abilities and not protect you but to revere you. And yes, if we are to protect you, it's to protect your virtue. Above all things, as St. Joseph had done, 
We thank God for the silent witness of Joseph. He said nothing, but his actions say it all in how he cared for his wife and child. Lord, we are part of your family, but we sometimes don't feel it because we don't feel like we're being fed, possibly because we don't come hungry. So help us to be hungry for the patience, balance, and joy that you give to us every day. And Lord, it is because these are the words of the scriptures that we can confidently say the words of the angel Gabriel and the cousin Elizabeth inspired by the Spirit as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And we don't have to fear the second half of this prayer because it's words of common sense. If we can ask each other for prayers, then why can't we ask our heavenly family for prayers? Holy Mary, Mother of God. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. I invite you to please be seated at this time. And at this time, I know the ushers are going to take up a collection, and as they do, I have a few little announcements and stories for you as they take up the collection. By the way, the collection, once again, goes to offset some of the cost and also to support our table foundation. Your generosity means the world. But please know that it's your prayers that matter the most. Um, I know that this is a unique experience for you, and I hope you enjoyed it. It was a pleasure for me to come. So thank you to your pastor. I know he's taking care of his dad today, but also your parish priest who are here to love and support you. I do have some books available, and some of you had asked about my trip. Just go ahead and send it out, guys. Um, the books are there for you, and if you want to come with me on a pilgrimage, all you got to do is go to my website. Please, you can follow an Instagram, Facebook. If you follow me on Twitter, please know I get snarky on Twitter, but that's why I think so many people follow. Um, and then, of course, if you want to sign up for the free weekly email blast, feel free and do so. Just go to fatherleofeeds.com. I send out recipes. By the way, I know a lot of you are going to say, what about your radio show? I had a radio show for several years. I canceled it because I just was so busy. So instead, I do these bite-sized theologies, and I also have my podcast, which I invite you to listen to because it's a lot of my spirituality for my institute that's always trying to reach out to people who don't identify as Christians. So here are the people I identify, an ex-priest, an ex-convict. I interview a transgender before and after the surgery, a same-sex couple. I interview, I'm going to actually interview someone in the KKK, but I'm going to do it by the phone because I'm afraid to meet them in person. But basically, I interview everyone and anyone, and my job is to learn from that experience, even if I disagree, because hopefully if they see I am actively listening to them, then maybe they will do the favor and actively listen to me. And I have a lot to say, as you can tell. And my podcast is called Shoot the Shiitake with Father Leo. <laughs> it is free, so please sign up and listen to it. If you don't know how to do that, ask your kids they will find it on my website. And of course, your support on that is great. 
but social media is a great way to stay in touch, which is why I want to kind of stay in touch with you and just get kind of like a picture of other people who are here at the mission with a little selfie video. So when I shine it on you, you can just pretend like you had a good time, okay? <laughs> so here we go. Don't say anything yet. I am at a beautiful church, St. Michael in, uh, in Houston, Texas, and I'm finishing up my mission here. And let me tell you, these people at this parish, they are lit. They are on fire, and they are definitely part of God's family. Here they are. Here they are. So... Part of you, uh, as this collection is being done, part of you came tonight because you wanted to hear how I beat Bobby Flay. And this is going to be the final story as I say goodbye to you. And look, we're going to even end only four minutes after the suggested time because we started late because, again, I am Filipino. And uh, the idea of, of Bobby Flay even challenging me, this was called the throwdown. You could watch it on my, on my website. Just go to fatherleofeeds.com slash watch or Father Leo Feeds and then just click on watch and you'll be able to see it. You might have to pay $2.99 for it, but you can afford that. And it's definitely worth seeing me beat Bobby Flay. But basically, when he challenged me, I said, you know, Bobby, I didn't even know he was going to challenge me. But he said, I hear you're famous for fajitas. I'm not famous for fajitas. I made that recipe up for seminarians because they can eat, you know? I mean, it's amazing, which is good, because if they don't receive, then they cannot give. That's true for you. Receive so you can give. And I basically said to him, you know, Bobby, with God as my witness, I am not afraid of you. Bring it. That's what I said. And I looked up to heaven for prayers, and the Blessed Mother goes, you're such an idiot. You are <laughs> totally going to lose. But, you know, prayers work, because they brought out plate A to the judges. They didn't know whose was whose. Plate A was mine. Plate B was Bobby's. And so they said about plate A, mine, that it was amazing. They said the flavors were perfectly balanced and that the meat melted in their mouth. That's what they said about A, mine, right? And they tasted Bobby's B and said it was good. But it was amazing. He's an iron chef. How did I beat him? Well, during the judging, I whipped out my rosary. Hey, and by the way, Bobby had three professional chefs helping him. I did not. I had a priest wearing a do-rag helping me. That's all I had. But he pulled out his rosary, started praying it. Couple good Catholics in the crowd. Rosary. Mom and dad, one in each hand. They were double fisting it. They were like... <laughs> I think there was a Muslim guy in the crowd. He pulled out his beads and he's like, ah, la, 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 la. And you know what? I will take that prayer because there is only one God. And that God has a mother. And that God is very much like his mother. And that God, if it's the true God, is not going to tell its followers, put a bomb on you and blow people up if they disagree with you. Because if that is the God they worship, then you can see that there are many false gods out there. But if this is the true God that we believe in, that God is not going to say, put a bomb on you. That God is going to say, put an apron on you. Available at fatherleofeeds.com. <laughs> and that God is going to tell you, put on an apron and feed people. 
and then they blow up, but in a good way, blow up. Because that was my job tonight, to feed you so I can get you to heaven, where a guy thought he went because he thought that he was living a good life. Maybe he was, I don't know. But he thought he got to heaven because there were angels all over the place. Air smelled like waffles. They were all dressed in white, and there was a table with tremendous amounts of food. But everyone seated at the table were miserable because they had really long forks, and they couldn't get the food into their mouths. But then he said the prayer of St. Benjamin. God, save me. And he saw the same scenario. Plates of food, long utensils, people dressed in white. But these people were happy. Because instead of trying to feed themselves, they were feeding one another. That's your job. I invite you to stand, brothers and sisters. I invite you to stand and listen to the words of our closing song. Because God needs people to feed this hungry world. Hopefully, you have been fed. Hopefully, you have been fed. And with that, you can feed one another. Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you call in the night. I will go. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart.